0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue podcast, we're talking with a pitmaster who was just inducted into the 2021 barbecue Hall of Fame. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. I'm super excited to be able to bring you this episode of the show because we have a legend of barbecue today. We're talking to the Beyonce of the barbecue world, Meathead from Amazing Ribs. But I'm going to tell you a a little bit more about him a bit later on. First, just got some announcements that I need to run by you. To start with, I'd like to thank our podcast partner, Ozpig, for coming on board for this episode. If you're looking for the ultimate camp kitchen cooker, you've got to check out the Ozpig. You can grill on it, you can bake in it, you can smoke in it. There's rotisserie attachments, there's warmer attachments, there's a whole bunch of different stuff. I've got one here in the yard. I love it. My wife loves it. My son loves it. We pack it up, we take it camping, and all the good barbecue food that we love at home, we can cook out in the bush. So do check that out. It's a great bit of gear. Now, if you're just at the opposite end of your journey, if you're just starting out, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue is what you need. It's a free ebook that we have available for you over on smokinghotconfessions.com. It's got everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the backyard barbecue steaks. So head on over there, check that out. It's completely free and it was recently awarded by the NBBQA over in the United States. So it's a good read. And a big welcome this morning to people joining us for this fantastic episode with Meathead. Um, we're going to be uh, talking to him a bit later on, but if you are joining us, you can put comments and questions into the video feed, and I'll be able to pop them to him later on during the episode. So, big welcome to you. And if you're not there yet, if you're watching this later on and you'd like to be a part of the live podcast recordings, head on over to Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community on Facebook. Join up, it's completely free, it's a beautiful little corner of the internet. It's the friendliest place in the world to be, and we just hang out and talk about barbecue, which, let's face it, in some of these Facebook groups, that's refreshing. (laughs) Okay, now, if you're watching this later on on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. If you're catching it up later on on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares, particularly the shares. Facebook is very responsive to shares. On Instagram, it's all about the cute little love hearts and the comments and the follows. And of course, if you are catching this later on on a podcast app, do give us a rating and review, particularly if you can hit that little purple icon in the Apple Podcasts app. Um, The five-star ratings and reviews help drive us up the charts, and that's what's helped us get in the last 30 days up to rank number six in the United States in the food category and number three in Australia in the food category. So we do appreciate all those ratings and reviews that you do for us. Now, I made a little joke at the start there. I said that uh, we're talking to the Beyonce of the barbecue world. And I said that uh, because not only can the man dance... I cannot find his real name. Everywhere it just says Meathead. So when, whenever I did a barbecue search, I could not find his first name. I suspect he may have changed it by Depol, but uh, we'll find out a bit about that later on. Now, if you're not familiar with the gentleman, you will be familiar with his website, AmazingRibs.com. It's the world's most visited website for barbecue info. He's also a New York Times best-selling author with his debut book, Meathead, The Science of Great barbecue and grilling and he's also the guy he also was the guy sitting behind me on the bus tour of kansas city's best barbecue restaurants as part of the 2019 nbbqa conference so that's how i first met meathead and it's great to get him on the show today but i think that's about all the rambling you need for me to open this up let's get him in here
1: this is the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions barbecue podcast with your host ben arnott how long's it been since your last confession?
2: Meathead, it's great to see you this morning, mate. How are you? Please don't ask me to dance. <laughs> it's not That'll a TikTok video, mate. you <laughs> I have been called many things but never been really called the Beyonce of barbecue that's good I like it thank you <laughs> I I just before the call I was updating my business card to put barbecue hall of fame on there maybe I gotta go back and put Beyonce on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so I've I've so, got to uh, ask then do you have a, a a first name or or have you legally changed it to Meathead
2: uh, no I I, I I am known far and wide as Meathead. I've been called Meathead. Even my employees call me Meathead. My wife calls me many things, but not Meathead. And my mother, who is still with us at age 96, doesn't call me Meathead. In fact, he hates it. Um, if you really dig deep, you can find the name I was given at birth, but I won't answer to it.
1: You oh, call okay. me that
2: name and I won't talk to you. I'm Meathead. It's a, you know, I <laughs> me. dude. It, this is the year 2021 if you don't have a brand you don't exist
0: <laughs> fair enough all right we'll leave that uh we'll leave that as a as a mystery surrounding the myth himself well not a myth you're here with us today you're not a myth all right anyway congratulations oh, on 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 entering the barbecue hall of fame my friend that's an outstanding achievement
2: i'm pleasantly uh honored and surprised uh uh there are only 26 living members uh Another 15 who are deceased. Um, I believe they're all North American, so uh, we got to get uh, uh, the Australian crowd uh, rocking and rolling and uh, uh, but uh, it's an August group and uh, I'm not sure that I belong, but I'll take it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, now for, for the Aussie audiences, so the we, we do have a, an Australasian Barbecue Alliance Hall of Fame over here but I don't think it's quite as as hallowed or as, um, as well standing as the American Barbecue Hall of Fame. Could you just give us a bit of an explanation of, of what it represents in America and its significance?
2: Well, the, the, the website says something about uh, people who have um, influenced the world of barbecue, who have uh, um, uh, expanded uh, the horizons of the world of barbecue, uh, the membership is mostly restaurateurs, competition pitmasters, um, a few authors and educators, but not many. Um, it was up until a few years ago mostly Lily White. Uh, they have been diversifying in the past few years, and uh, uh, there are more African Americans in the uh, in- inducted. In fact, uh, this year. One, there were five inducted uh, three living, two deceased and of them two were white so uh, three were African American so uh, it's expanding and who knows maybe uh, Australia, Europe uh, Africa, who knows uh, it should be um, I mean gosh uh, you guys have been grilling and smoking since the beginning of time haven't you
0: yeah, well, there there are a lot of researchers that say that the indigenous people of Australia are the oldest uh, culture on the world. So in the world, and so they've been uh, they've certainly been throwing kangaroo on the fire for much longer than any of the rest of us have been um, throwing bits of cow on there.
2: I had no idea in the world. I know that you know the history as I have come to understand it goes back to the Tigris and Euphrates, which is uh, you know the, the Middle East, Iran, Iraq um north Af- north africa china um uh india um, i had not known that uh the indigenous people of australia had been around that long but yes i mean if you want to trace the history of barbecue uh, it's goes back to the invention of cooking I mean, the, my scenario in my head is that uh some uh, ancient uh, humanoids, uh, Homo erectus, the speculation is, were wandering around, and there was, had been a forest fire or something, and they smelled, hmm, something, something smelled good, you know, and they wandered into the ashes, and there was this wild hog, maybe a kangaroo, lying on its side, charred to death. And they smell good. They, you know, kind of poked it with their fingers. They got grease on their hands, licked their finger. fingers, ah, you know, and they hauled it back to the caves. And, and they, you know, if you want to, you know, you want to take this scenario. Um, the men were typically the hunters, the women were the food preparers. So likely the first pit masters were pit mistresses.
0: I think that that's uh, definitely on the cards, and it's great that we're starting to see that diversity that you were referring to. There's um, there's quite a quite a powerful social movement at the moment to restore the the African American history of barbecue, which is just fantastic to see. the The work of Dr. Howard Conyers is just incredible.
2: Yes, uh, there is a lot of, uh, of that going on. Although, you know, as far as you know, we we tend to be American centric, and but. Europeans uh, had been grilling and smoking I mean there are tapestries I have seen traveling Europe going back way past the Middle Ages of whole beeves being rotated on a spit in front of a fire Um, so many of the castles had fireplaces with rotisseries in them Uh, in Scotland there are rotisseries that were powered by little dogs Um, Oh, really? uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen pictures of them. In fact, there's one or two of them that still exist. Uh, They don't use the dogs, but there was uh, (laughs) like a treadmill for the dog in there. And, uh, um, uh, you know, so, I mean, German culture and sausage and smoking, uh, African, South African culture, you know, we tend to be american centric over here and certainly we have taken the concept of grilling and smoking as far as we can and maybe it can go even further and so the world kind of thinks of us as uh, the home of barbecue but but goodness uh, let's talk about china let's talk about germany let's talk about poland uh, been around since the beginning of time
0: yeah well all the, all the things like uh, particularly the the sausages and things that, uh, that, that Texas is so proud of, a lot of that came from the, the German and the Bulgarian and the Belgian immigrants.
2: Absolutely. Eastern yeah. Europe, uh, famous for their sausages. So yeah. what, does, what does barbecued kangaroo taste like?
0: Look, you know what, you can actually buy it in the in the supermarket here. It comes in like marinated steak form. So I have, I've never done low and slow, but I have grilled up a couple of kangaroo steaks. Um, my wife is American. She doesn't like it, um, but I, I think it's pretty good. I, I quite like it. It is. It, it yeah. is definitely a, a game meat, um, and you, you got to keep it that in mind. Meat? Oh, v- very red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's quite a dark coloured meat. Uh, it's incredibly healthy, actually. It, it's very lean. It's a, It's apparently one of the meats that's recommended by doctors for people with heart conditions. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, that's that's what I've read. If you're watching or listening to this, I'm not a doctor, so don't, uh, don't take my advice on that. But uh, you know, that's, that, that's what I've read.
2: You won't find the word healthy anywhere on uh, the 2,000-plus pages of AmazingRibs.com or <laughs> in my book. Um, because I'm not sure anybody knows what is healthy and what is not. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when all the doctors told us, don't eat butter, eat margarine. And that has changed. I remember when (laughs) coffee was bad for you, now it's good for you. Eggs were bad for you, then they're good for you, then they're bad for you. Um, It's very, very difficult to, you know, you you can find out what causes the barbecue stall by doing experiments and get a definitive answer. You can't find out if kangaroo is healthy because you can't take 100 people and lock them up and feed them kangaroo day and night for 10 years and then they let the rest of the world eat regular food and then see how many people die. You just can't do that. So <laughs> here, here's the way I look at it. And for anybody out there, because I get questions all the time about what's healthy and what's not. If you live to be 80 years old, which is a pretty you know average nowadays, uh, um, you get to 80, And if you eat three meals a day, 365 days a year, you're gonna eat more than 80,000 meals. How much longevity will a few kangaroo steaks add to that? Or or how much will you lose in your life expectancy eating a few hamburgers or sausages or, you know. I mean, come on, folks. Um, you'd have to eat an awful lot of bacon to knock a, a day off of your life expectancy. I think. Uh, I tend so, to agree you know, with that. I think. Just yeah, you know, Mom had it right. Eat a little bit of every. Eat your greens. Eat your meat. You know, and maybe we eat too much meat. And but you know, uh, I I think worrying about what you eat will kill you faster than anything you eat.
0: Stress is, uh, it is very definitely something that we do need to, uh, to consider. That'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I was researching th- this episode, I found your bio on your website, and there, there were four terms that, that, that were used to describe you. One was uh, barbecue whisperer, culinary mythbuster. Hall of Famer, and Hedonism Evangelist, which is my personal favorite. Um, so we've we've already talked about the the Hall of Fame, and we're going to get to myth-busting later on, but tell me about Barbecue Whisperer, because uh, I, I grew up on a farm, and we used to watch the videos of the Horse Whisperer, who was this uh, this <laughs> yeah, miraculous yeah. horse trainer. So tell us about Barbecue Whisperer.
2: Oh, well, of course, that's a, that, there's more humor than fact there, uh, but, um, uh, y- you know, I think that for a lot of people who, and I hear this a lot, I'm just no good at barbecue. I'm intimidated by it, it. I can't figure it out. Um, go out there and stand in front of your grill or your smoker and look at it and say, I am smarter than you. I can figure this out. It's not difficult. There are really basic concepts that when you think about it, you go, oh man, and you slap your forehead. Uh, When I do a book signing, I do a a one hour presentation called um, Old Husband's Tales, barbecue myths that deserve to die. (laughs) And my book is full of myth busting because I learned to barbecue from my father who learned from his father, who learned from his father, and it's all been passed down. But in the past few decades, we have come to understand science a lot better. We know that what it, much, much more about what happens when meat hits heat. Um, and, 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 and I mean, we, we have this marvelous instrument called the digital thermometer. You know, I mean, when I was a boy, it was hit or miss whether dad would get those steaks done properly. And, you know, they were expensive, and he'd stand at the head of the table, and the company was over, his boss was over, and he'd, you know, shift from left foot to right foot and go, well, it kind of got away from me. You know, there's no excuse for overcooking a steak with a, with a, you know, an inexpensive digital thermometer. Now, you'll forgive me, uh, I speak in Fahrenheit up here. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, 130 to 135 degrees Fahrenheit is a medium rare steak. And we know medium rare steak is the most tender because we got machines. There's one called the Warner Bratzler machine and it's like a, a tooth. It's a metal tooth and it presses down on the meat and it measures how much pressure it takes to puncture the meat and cut through it. And so we know that at the medium rare temperature, it's most tender and we can also measure the juiciness. So, you know, you use a digital thermometer, you'll never go wrong. And also um, something like chicken. Now, I don't know how chickens are grown and brought to market down there, probably better than we do them. But um, a a magazine up here called Consumer Reports uh, bought 300 chicken breasts and they tested them and 90 percent of them had pathogenic bacteria in them mm. um, and of those 90 percent half had antibiotic resistant pathogenic bacteria oh wow now, that is scary except it's nothing to worry about if you cook it to 160 165 degrees fahrenheit you kill all the bugs they can't live It's perfectly safe you don't want to undercook chicken because you don't want to take granny to the hospital on a holiday, you know. Uh, uh, so digital thermometers, we, we've got this technology. We can learn. Um, we, we've learned about things like the stall. We know what causes the stall. Um, I, I work with a, a food scientist named Greg Blonder who has taught me a ton and uh, helped me with a lot of myth-busting, and we figured out what causes the barbecue stall. I mean, for years they were saying, well, it's the the, the cooking is slowed down by the rendering of the fat or the uh, conversion of uh, collagen to gelatin, and it's none of that. It it, it is simply um, the evaporation of moisture from the surface of the meat, um, cooling the meat at the exact same rate that the energy of the uh, heat in the air is warming the meat. So you reach a stasis, you reach a point where the meat is warming at the same rate it's cooling, and it doesn't progress, that the interior temperature does, until the surface dries out. When the surface dries out, you have bark, which we all love, and and bark is really just a form of jerky. um, And when you get that bark dried out, then the interior heat goes up, and you break through the stall and it's that simple so we can figure this stuff out a lot of the mythology that we were handed we have busted through
0: yeah that's interesting i've never actually heard it uh, explained as simply as that that's a great explanation of of the stall very fascinating stuff now what about uh where was it hedonism evangelist that sounds like a fun story
2: <laughs> well if you've read my biography, you may have learned that I, uh, I've i been around food all my life. Um, my dad uh, was a food technology uh, technologist. Uh, he, his first venture in food technology was he owned a dog food factory, <laughs> he, <laughs> held, he, he owned a butcher shop for a little while. Uh, he owned a restaurant for a little while named the Oleander, and we didn't realize until uh, we just about went bankrupt that Oleander is a poisonous plant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, He was a, 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 an avid griller and I would stand there and hang around by his side and, uh, uh, you know, he might let me have a little sip of beer every now and then. And that might've encouraged my uh, fascination with barbecue. Um, but I, when I went to college, uh, my first uh, I, I got a job in a, 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 a wine store, a liquor store, and uh, I got really into wine, in fact, so deep into wine, um, I became the wine critic for the Washington Post and the Chicago Tribune, which were major international newspapers here in the United States. I, I was the wine critic for them for three years. I launched a magazine about wine. I launched the World Spirits Championships, the World Beer Championships. So I'm a I'm a I'm a wino, you know. I mean you, you know what the difference between a wino and a connoisseur is, don't you?
0: Uh the price of the bottle?
2: Uh, about five bucks. Yeah. About five dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> um and, 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 and so I, I've been, you know uh, i um i love to eat and drink and i uh, pa- try to pass that uh, love along as well so there's where the hedonism evangelist comes from
1: g'day and welcome to ozpeak creating great meals great memories and flavor born from fire for over 15 years born and designed right here in australia for aussie conditions the ozpeak range is your best friend for the outdoors featuring three stoves in the range there's one built for adventure home and in between and with the oven smoker attachment you'll totally transform your Ozpig into your very own portable smoker. There's a huge range of genuine accessories such as the rotisserie and char grill, helping you achieve maximum flavour born from fire. At Ozpig we stand behind our range and 15 years of development and customer feedback has led us here. Dollar for dollar you won't find better value. Each unit features a solid three mill steel construction, zinc plated legs, Steel press shape and robot world it seems. Every Ospic unit comes with a three year limited structural warranty, so when you buy an Ospic, you can trust that you're buying quality. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
0: All righty. Now, AmazingRibs.com is everybody's go-to website for barbecue information. I think it was actually even the very there. first. Even down there. Even down here. I think it was the very first barbecue website I ever started reading when I was first getting into barbecue. How cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was. Well,
2: I do get I do get emails from your fellow countrymen and New Zealanders, uh, and, and we have a number of them who belong to our Pitmaster Club. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know that it's read occasionally. I had no idea it was popular.
0: Mate, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm sure that you've already seen this, but I found an online um, article about your website. I'm pretty sure it was from Forbes magazine, and it said that your website is the number one barbecue information website with over 9 million hits a year.
2: Um, y- yeah, 9 million um, visitors a year um just from a technical standpoint from a webmaster we don't use the term hits anymore um, okay. hits are hits are a technical misnomer and they're confused but yes um and it grows every year last year we had nine million visitors come to the website so um yeah that, that that's pretty cool and we have this pitmaster club which is has seventeen thousand paying members and uh, they renew at at an anybody who's ever been in the subscription or membership business is not going to believe this next number when I tell you, but it's true. 87% renewal rate. I mean, that's just unheard of. It's unheard of, unheard of, but it's cool. It's a great little uh, service and we got a great number of benefits from members. And uh, so we, we we do have influence and I think that's how I got into the hall of fame.
0: I dare say so. Yeah, that's a hell of a, A hell of a contribution uh, that you've made obviously to that membership program for for the to get that that renewal rate that that's incredible Um, return on it's a cool place yeah yeah
2: if anybody is interested we have a free 30-day trial so you can come in and check it out for 30 days no you don't have to give us a credit card number or anything just jump right in
0: oh wow that that's beautiful what sort of information is is behind that wall
2: Oh, um, I, I, I sat down recently and made a list of benefits, and there's 23. Um, there, there's some ebooks that we've published that are available on in the Pitmaster Club for free. They sell on Amazon um, for $3.99, but they're free. When you when you sign up, you get a pretty nice digital uh, – not digital, um, magnetic temperature guide. Let's see if I can get Yeah, here. Well, it's not – kind of glossy but it's got 82 different critical temperatures both Fahrenheit and centif- centigrade um, there's uh, the best thing about it is is the community there's 17,000 guys and gals in there who just love to cook and they have every device known to man at least here in North America <laughs> and uh, you know I mean if you come in there and say I'm thinking about buying this rotisserie on Amazon. What do you guys think? You get five guys in there who say, well, I love it, I hate it, it's, you know. Um, and, and then recipes, they share recipes, all kinds of creativity there. So it, it's, it's kind of cool.
0: Beautiful, man, that sounds awesome. Now take us back to 2005 when it all started. How did you, how did you get it all started?
2: <laughs> it's a good story there, actually. Um, my neighbor was a retired butcher and we were just you know a couple of guys hanging around the backyard over the fence and uh shooting the breeze and he started bragging on his ribs and uh you know i i was not a barbecue guru or anything at the time but i liked to grill and uh i you know i make some pretty good ribs too and the next thing i know you know we're Thumping our chests, and there's uh, <laughs> uh, a throwdown, you know. Okay, I challenge you, and our wives are going to judge us, and so we had a nice rib dinner, and our wives called it a tie wisely. Yeah, um, smart move. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I want it though, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know it was it was, but in ramping up to it, I wanted to learn the latest tech, you know, I had my techniques, but I want to know the very best way to do ribs. Cause I didn't, I hate losing, you know, I'm an old high school football player, you know, and I, I wanted to win, win, win. And, uh, and so I started researching and, uh, um, th- there were no websites about barbecue, none. And there were only one or two books about barbecue on Amazon. And, uh, I said, well, you know, I had just, I had just sold my wine beer and spirits business it was a website a big website it's still out there by the way it's called tastings.com they do some really good work and um i had sold the business and i was you know thinking about uh, i was journalism major um i did uh, my master's in photography um in the in the early days i was learning how to build websites so i thought i'd do web construction and so i built the website called AmazingRibs.com ribs.com. I named it AmazingRibs.com because in those days there was no Google and Yahoo and Alta Vista and the early search sites listed alphabetically. So it's the old trick, you know, in the phone book, ah. your, your triple A sewer system, you know, so you can be the first sewer system. Uh, so I, amazing ribs. I was going to be the first one in the barbecue sector. Um, and, uh. I had my ribs recipe on there, and uh, and 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 Google started to emerge, and the websites found it, and uh, the search engines found it, and it, it kind of grew. And I added, you know, pulled pork and brisket and chicken, and you know, steak, and it. it now we cover just about anything you can cook on a uh, 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 on a fire and smoke, uh, you know. S- i think there's smoked oysters out there you know you name it uh uh, we just have a lot of fun and i you know anything you can cook indoors you can cook outdoors only better so uh that's what we're up to
0: yeah man beautiful stuff now with over two thousand free pages and then all the member content as well how do you stay motivated and keep finding new stuff to write about
2: i mean how do you not i mean I love food. I mean, I'm just like any uh, any cook, any chef, I, you know. Um, I'm expecting a shipment of octopus tomorrow. Um, I, uh, I've been playing with octopus. I, um, you, you know, in, in Greece, they catch these octopi and they beat them on the rocks, you know, to tenderize them because they can be tough. And uh, uh, so I've been playing with sous vide and then onto the grill. And uh, I call it sous vide Q. Um And I've done a lot of fiddling with sous vide, then barbecue and grilling. So I'm always playing with stuff. I'm always experimenting. I've been playing with grilling cheeses. Um, there are a number of cheeses, um, uh, halloumi and others that, that grill up nicely and that uh, get some interesting flavors. So I'm always playing, I mean, gosh dad told me to figure out what I love to do and make my living at it. And that's exactly what I'm doing.
0: Beautiful. So it's just sort of your creativity, your, your exploration, your, your experiments, all that sort of stuff comes together and you, you write about it. So what would be the most, uh, popular category on the website then? What, what, what do you find?
2: Um, as you might expect, ribs and brisket and pulled pork, um, uh, chicken is very popular in this country, and so there's a lot of interest in chicken. Um, i tell you one recipe that really is popular. Um, uh, I believe I may have published the first um, uh, pastrami recipe on uh, the internet. Pastrami, it, typically nowadays, is made from brisket. Um, it is cured first. Are you familiar with it down there? Do you get pastrami oh, yes. down there? Okay. Oh, yes. Very much. Uh, it's, so it's, it's it, it typically up here, it's, it's brisket that is cured with uh, sodium nitrite. And, um, a, and then it is um, a, a rub uh, and a, a unique rub that is put on there. A lot of black pepper, coriander, a few other things. And then it, it's smoked. Um, and then often it is steamed. Um, but I think, uh, and everybody in Texas is is taking aim at me right now with their shotguns. I think <laughs> it's the, I think it's the ultimate expression of brisket. I absolutely adore pastrami. I mean, you know, a big thick pastrami sandwich with, uh, uh, you know, uh, on rye with uh, maybe a little uh, uh, Thousand Island dressing. So you, you make a, a Reuben type sandwich out of it, and I, I just love that stuff.
0: Yeah, I actually started exploring doing pastrami a few months ago, and it was your your uh, your article that that pointed me in the right direction. You um, mm-hmm. you uh, you I believe you had reverse engineered the restaurant menu, uh, the restaurant recipe from. It's in New Cats York City. Is
2: yes, Cats is, okay, amongst New Yorkers, um, uh, there are uh, a number of delis, uh, They... they the recipe originated I think among the Irish but then it really took off in the in the uh, Jewish and kosher delis and Katz's deli which has been around since 1888 um, in lower Manhattan um, uh, has been making it non-stop since 1888 and uh, it, it's just marvelous and so you know I that was a fan and so I'd go in there and I just kind of hang around and watch what they were doing and then I'd order a sandwich and I'd take it apart and look at the rub and taste it and make notes i'm reasonably good at reverse engineering tastes Uh, as a a wine taster um i i developed a pretty reasonable sense of smell and taste i i won a couple of wine tasting championships so uh uh, you know yeah i i can uh, i can kind of you know reverse engineer a rub or something like that
0: yeah, that's impressive. My my mother-in-law was always really good at that as well. We'd take her out to a restaurant and then the next day she'd be cooking it at home, and it it mm-hmm. it would come out tasting 98% the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it, it's a lot of fun to do that, too. Yep.
0: Yeah. Now, how, how do the um the the food articles rate against say your review articles because that's an incredible resource that you have available as well. Pretty much any any barbecue or any barbecue gadget that anyone's considering buying, they can head to amazingribs.com and find a review of it.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much of them are available uh, in Australia, but uh, um, we have a full-time grill tester uh, on our team. Uh, uh, Max Good uh, does nothing but work for us full-time testing grills and smokers, and he maintains a uh, database of ratings and reviews that are pretty... Detailed. I mean, he shoots a video of it, and then he cooks on it, and he writes the results and, you know, the, how well the pieces fit together, and uh, we check the temperature, and is it accurate, and uh, do the wheels fall off? And, uh, uh, he, you know, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, he's, uh, to my knowledge, the only person in the world who full-time tests grills and smokers, and I think he's got four or five hundred that he's kicked the tires on. Uh, uh, and we have a searchable database, so you can go in there and pull up all the pellet grills or pull up all the gas grills. And, um, and, and they're sorted by the score and the rating. And then, uh, because I'm a firm believer in thermometers, um, I hired an electrical engineer. He's just retired from uh, ExxonMobil. He was in charge of ExxonMobil's electrical engineering department. And uh, he retired. He's big into barbecue and grilling. And uh, it's a part-time gig for him. He's not full-time. But he tests thermometers for us. And we, he's built a database of more than 200 thermometers. So, wow. again, if you're out there shopping for a digital thermometer, I, I don't know what's available down there. But uh, here in the States, uh, he, and he can he has special gadgets that we bought for him that tell you, is it accurate and how quick does it read and uh he checks that against the manufacturer's specs and then you know the rest of my team i've got a i've got an editor david joachim david's worked on a number of books uh, for a number of chefs uh very knowledgeable uh clint cantwell uh he used to run kingsford's website um and uh a uh, the, the few other part-timers and uh, we all uh, enjoy trying out the latest gadgets and gimcracks and uh, toys and uh, you know that's half the fun of it isn't it you know I uh, uh, got a really good new spatula <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and I think I've just found my new career path that I want to follow now uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
0: Um, so that's a nice segue then talking about books and and uh, and editing and publishing Tell us about your your book, the, I've got it written down here, The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling.
2: Just happen to have a you copy here.
0: Just happen to have a copy right there behind you. Just yes. happen
2: to have a copy right here with that ugly mug on the cover there. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's uh, about 400 pages, um, and, yeah, it's called Meathead, but the subtitle is what I wanted to call it. I wanted to give it the name The Science of Great Barbecue and Grilling, but the publisher insisted on calling it Meathead, so uh, that's what it is. And uh, and and um, uh, they decided to put my picture. I have I did my masters in photography. I've got some beautiful food photographs, and I wanted to put a beautiful food photograph on there. And they insisted on putting that ugly mug on there. And uh, of course, the year it came out, 2016, it was the number two best-selling cookbook on Amazon. And uh, the number one was by an, uh, a model named Chrissy Teigen. I don't know if you're familiar with her down there. And, of course, she's on the cover, unbuttoned down to here. And uh, <laughs> there's just no competing with that. And I went back to them. I actually Photoshopped Arnold Schwarzenegger onto the cover shop uh, and said, we need to reshoot the cover. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's got two parts. Um, the, the first half of the book is a science textbook. Um, We explore what is heat, what is energy, what is fire, what is smoke. Um, uh, We talk about the different kinds of energy, Um, uh, we uh, look at the different equipment, we look at uh, uh, indirect and direct heating and we talk about the different kinds of grills and smokers and how they work and how they differ from each other and what makes a good one and what makes a bad one and then we get into meat science and we talk about what, uh, what is meat made out of and uh, what happens when heat hits meat. And uh, then we uh, talk a little bit about vegetables and, uh, and you know the cellulose and lignin and the components of uh, vegetables and uh, how they respond to heat. And that's the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book are recipes that demonstrate the concepts in the first half and, um, uh, you know, there's a the standard barbecue canon. There's what I call last meal ribs, because I think they're so good that if you were dying, you'd want them for your last meal. Um, and you know, brisket and so on. And uh, I think the astronomy recipe's in there too. And uh, uh, it just hit the 250,000 copy mark, which is just marvelous. Most cookbooks don't go over 10,000 copies. Uh, so it's it's done exceedingly well and I'm very proud of it and uh, there's even uh, uh, we just got this recently sent to us. It's out in German uh, oh wow so uh, <laughs> um, haven't got a French or Spanish copy yet, but uh, maybe that'll happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, hope so. so you're, you're a bit like David Hasselhoff in that regard. you're big in Germany. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah but like Beyonce, i can dance and you don't want to see me running down the beach in a speedo
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking more along the lines of getting one of your grills and putting one of the red lights on the grill going
2: well germans you know they've they've been uh, a lot of german households have smokehouses. they're they, you know like little phone booths out back some of are pretty big actually and Uh, you know, sausages are huge in that country. And uh, uh, we, you know, we talk about Texas as if it's the place where barbecue began, but no. Uh, So many of those recipes came from um, Eastern Europe, from Texas, I mean, from Germany and Czechoslovakia and Poland. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Definitely. Yeah, there's a long, there's a long history of of, of barbecue well beyond what we usually talk about. Now, you just mentioned 250,000 copies. Um, I, I did read that online, and it has hit uh, the New York Times bestseller list. That's a huge mm-hmm. achievement. What, what, what opportunities does that open up for you now that, now that you've got a, a New York Times bestseller under your belt?
2: Well, the biggest thing, then, this is the best part of it, is now when those idiots on YouTube and Facebook want to challenge me, I can say, hey buddy, when you make the New York Times bestseller list and the Hall of Fame, then you can take me down. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, you know, Wikipedia. I used to go into Wikipedia and say, guys, this is wrong. Can I edit it? And I'd edit it and you know, some 18 year old punk would come back and reverse my edits. And now, you know, I can at least sit there and say, Hall of Fame, son of a bitch. (laughs) that's all right
0: that's all right we can edit that out that's okay don't worry about that leave that that, baby
2: (laughs) Uh, that's the best part of the bestseller list in the hall of fame it's it's bragging
1: rights you're listening to the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd ben arnott
0: all righty, meathead. This is the third segment of our show now, which is our our lesson time for our listeners and our viewers. So, for those of you that, that are joining to uh, to that are joining us live in the in the Facebook community, now's the time to start putting those questions for meathead in there. Now, what I thought we might do, mate, is um, we I thought we might run through some some common barbecue myths, and we'd see how they. Uh, how they pan out in uh, in the world of mm-hmm. meathead. So last night in the Smoky On Confessions barbecue community, I put up a post asking people what are some of the rules of barbecue that they've heard that they suspect might be myths. And I wrote down a big list here of uh, of of what they put up. So I'll I'll read you a myth and, and you can tell me if it's a myth or if it's true and and share some of your thoughts on it. How does that sound?
2: I'm game for that. It's awesome. like a quiz show.
0: It, it is a bit. Yeah yeah yeah. Should be fun. Do I
2: get a prize?
0: um g- glory <laughs> um, okay so number one you need to cook low and slow to get good results
2: it depends on what you're cooking um, but we know this we know that um, at high temperatures muscle fibers contract and they squeeze out juices um, so one of the things about low temperature is that they preserve the structure of the uh, muscle better than at high temperature. Now, um, so that's something you wanna think about when you're cooking, um, say, a a pork butt or a brisket or even ribs. Um, Slow part of it is it takes a long time sometimes to render fat and to gelatinize connective tissue or collagen. So, the combination of low and slow works for a number of foods, but um, you wouldn't want to do a skirt steak low and slow. Now, a skirt steak, you know that you have that, you know, meat cuts are named differently in different countries. You guys have skirt steak down there?
0: Yes, we do. Yep.
2: Okay. Skirt steak and flank steak both come from the, you know, the, the chest and belly area of the animal. And, and they're fairly skinny, and they're thin, and they work hard muscles, and they're tough. Um, but we know that steaks in general taste best when you get a good sear on the exterior. Um, and a sear is a chemical reaction called the Maillard reaction. It's where proteins and amino acids change their physical structure and create new flavors that we love, and that's the crust um, on a steak or... Uh, now. A, a flank steak or let's let's do a skirt steak for example if you cook it low and slow it's gonna come out tan and it's gonna be well done throughout um, and remember we were saying earlier that medium-rare 130 135 Fahrenheit is when meat is the most tender it's sort of pink or rosy in the center so how do you solve this problem of uh, getting a good dark crust and nice rosy color in the inside on a uh, a piece of meat like a um, a skirt steak and the answer is hot and fast hot and fast hot as you can get it uh because the the energy f- and by the way it's really helpful to think about um what's going on inside your cooker is energy not heat and 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 i'll give you an explanation um think of a go to your right now get up and go to your kitchen and turn your oven to 200 degrees. And when it gets preheated to 200 degrees, you can stick your arm in there uh, and, um, I'm talking 200 Fahrenheit, and it's not gonna singe the hair on your arm, and you can actually hold your hand in there for a little bit. Um, uh, that's air temperature, 200 degrees. Everything inside that oven is 200 degrees. So's the metal on the wall. Now, put your hand against the side, the metal. When you get back from the hospital, you'll understand that 200 degree metal is a lot different than 200 degree air. It's the energy that is stored in the metal and conducted to your hand that makes the difference. So it's really useful to think of the energy that you're using and that you're in touch with. And there's different kinds of energy in your grill. There's conduction energy that comes from the hot metal, the grill grates. There's convection airflow, which is a gentle energy. And then there's infrared radiation. And that's the glowing coals or the flame. And that, that's, you know, you, everybody knows that there's ultraviolet rays from the sun, but really the vast amount of energy that we get from the sun is still infrared. It's heat. You go out in the sun. And you stand there, and in a hot day, and you're gonna you, it's, you're gonna feel it. Back in your neck's gonna be hot. You're gonna start sweating. You step into the shade. It's the same temperature out there, but you're now in the shade. You're now in the indirect infrared. You're under the sun. You're in the infrared zone. You're getting glowing energy from the sun, but in the shade. You're, you're not. It's just convection air. And we talk a lot about setting up a grill in two zones. Uh, 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 the hot side, the infrared side, and the indirect side. Um, and that's the shady side. And that's so that's where this thing business of thinking about energy and, and, and rather than heat is important And boy did I go way off the rails on that what the heck was the question anyhow That's all right <laughs> don't worry
0: about that but my my solicitor has just uh, chimed in here in the comments uh, disclaimer please do not try that oven experiment at home um, okay so
2: <laughs> and by the way the, um, the, the the static has gone away from me so good 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 good.
0: All right, let's, let's move on to another one then. We've talked about um, the German smokehouses, the European smokehouses, and their smoked sausages. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people will do here, particularly um, we mentioned dads kind of standing out in the backyard and grilling, uh, is poking holes in sausages when, you, when you're grilling them. Is that a – oh, okay, I take it that's a, a, a bad one just by the, uh, by no, the eye no, flare no. there. No, 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 I was
2: just contemplating it. I, it, oh, it, it, okay. depends. it depends on what you're after. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to lower the calorie count and reduce the amount of fat you're absorbing, then you stick a couple of holes in it, and it's the fat that's going to come out. You can see it squirt. You got to stand back. It'll get you in the eye. That's no fun. Um, But if you don't do that, um, then you retain all that fat, and that becomes moisture, and your typical sausage blend is 80-20 or 70-30, and the lower number, 20 or 30, is the amount of fat. So typically, a 70-30 fat sausage, that's a lot of fat. That's just not diet food. But that fat is what gives it moisture and what gives it juiciness and gives it flavor. So if you poke the holes in it, you're going to get rid of some of that. And it'll be leaner, and it won't be as as fatty, and it won't be as caloric, but it probably will be drier. So yes you can do it or you can't do it depending on what you're trying to do but be careful also I'm just thinking on a charcoal grill you start poking it; that fat's going to get on the flame and you're going to have flare-ups
0: yeah yep definitely (laughs) I've done that several times I've had to learn that the hard way
2: well sometimes it'll split I mean those casings often are hog casings and the interior of that sausage is is going to expand with the heat and 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 that fat as it liquefies will expand and i think we've all seen a sausage split open and when it does it spills quite a bit of moisture it certainly
0: does yeah uh okay here's another one then uh all cuts of meat need to come to room temperature before cooking
2: ah definitely a myth definitely a myth first of all bacteria can duplicate uh, a double of their population in 20 minutes um You don't want to leave um, uh, bacteria running around at room temperature. Number two, uh, uh, an inch and a half thick steak, a steak, you know, uh, 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 a good thick steak will take an hour to two hours to come to room temperature. Meat is 75% water. Water is not good at conducting heat, either in or out. Um, So you can take a, a, a steak and let it sit at room temp. And it's not coming to room temp. Maybe the outside will come to room temp, but the interior is not moving much at all. And you can prove this. Just stick a thermometer in there and watch it. But number three, this is the cool part. If you like the flavor of smoke, smoke sticks better to cold surfaces. Now think about this. You get out of the shower in the morning and the mirror in the bathroom is all foggy. What's happened is, is the cold surface of the mirror is attracting the tiny little droplets of water in the steam and they stick together. It's a process called thermophoresis and it, it, it is well known to physicists, but not necessarily to grillers. Um, and every bloody darn cookbook says, take the meat out of their fridge and let it come to room temp. But if you'll put cold meat in your smoker, you're going to collect more smoke on the surface. So you'll get more smoke flavor. And if you're doing something like a steak or a, flat, or a fillet of fish, <clears throat> they're not on the grill for very long. So you want them cold so that they will attract smoke and hold it.
0: Alrighty, so that's probably a good time for us now to start wrapping up this episode. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks. I'm just give getting some praise, started, dude. Give, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give some shout-outs to people that have helped you out along the way. And, um, well, we already know that it's AmazingRibs.com, but tell everybody where they can track you down on the social media.
2: Um, well, I'm uh, AmazingRibs.com, and that's the best place to find me, frankly. I really don't have the time. I used to to go into Facebook and answer a lot of questions. Um, if you got a question, first of all, some guy named Zuckerberg owns that other website, and, I, you know, he's got enough money. Come to my website. Ask your questions there where I and my knowledgeable team can answer them and there's no space limitations. You can upload photographs so you can say, look at what happened to my brisket, tell me what went wrong. Um, And uh, converse with me in my website. Um, I do post tips and techniques and concepts every day to Twitter, YouTube. I posted a, a video of our puppy dog today which is really where I stick to barbecue 99% of the time, but we train puppies for the blind and uh, we've got a, a oh, brand wow. new puppy. Oh yeah. And, he, and he's a character or she's a character and the video it's on Facebook. Uh, uh, go, go check out the video we posted today of this puppy dog. She's up to mischief. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, um, uh, come to amazingribs.com There's a comment section on every page um share your pictures your comments um try out the uh the Pitmaster club it's a it's it's a real brotherhood and sisterhood over there um and everybody a lot of folks know each other by names their families they get together we're doing a get together we're getting what we call a meetup in memphis in march march 18th through 20th <clears throat> it, uh, there's room for only 400 we have 300 tickets sold already wow um, and uh it's it's the first time in this country we've ever had a conference for the consumer you and i met at the national barbecue association conference which was a lot of fun um but uh that's for the business trade for the for for the the restaurateurs and the caterers and such this is for us backyard folks and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun in Memphis. We're going to do some great demos, whole hog. We're going to taste a lot of food from the best Memphis restaurants. Um, there's going to be exhibitors, uh, grill smokers, um, the kind of things you don't find in your hardware store. Um, so, uh, and uh, my team and I will all be there, uh, st- stand up late drinking with all of them. <laughs>
0: Beautiful, man. That sounds incredible. Well, look, man, I, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I realize that I am holding you up from your dinner that your lovely wife has prepared for you.
2: She's making pizza tonight, and uh, she makes a mighty fine pizza.
0: Oh, that sounds delicious. Look, mate, thank you very much for your time, and uh, and best of luck with the uh, with the meetup in Memphis.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. If you get bored with uh, down there, come on up. And I know you do get here occasionally. You said you have an American wife. Uh could be a time to visit family and uh, join us. It would be fun to have you there. Um, and uh, thanks very much for having me. Really good conversation. Uh, let's do it again because um, uh, there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover.
0: Oh, we could do a whole episode just on the myth-busting part.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Meat-busting myths with uh, with Meathead. I like that.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, mate, I'll see you soon.
2: Ben, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you
0: and there you have it family that was the one and only meathead the beyonce of barbecue from AmazingRibs.com. how funny is that he's still shaking his head in the green room now i could see him in the green room okay i'm let's make that a thing every time you see a post from meathead on social media now i just want you to comment with the hashtag beyonce of barbecue there we go let's let's make that a thing he's shaking his head and waving his hands at the camera now (laughs) All righty. Look, I, I had a great time. Huge thanks to, to Meathead for, for coming on board. That was an absolute scream. And I think we'll definitely have to get him back on again soon to uh to, to keep running through some more myths because the, the guy just knows so much about barbecue. It, it's absolutely incredible. Now, before we do wrap this up, I just need to remind you of the announcements from the top of the episode. If you're looking for the ultimate camp cooker, do check out OzPig. They've got uh, their beautiful uh, traditional uh, it looks almost like a little pot belly pig. Uh, they've got the big pig available now. They've got the smoker attachments, rotisseries, warming plates, grills, like cast-iron grills, you name it, they've got it. It's absolutely an incredible bit of gear. Highly recommended, and we really appreciate their support of the show. Um, if you are watching on the socials, do all the things, the likes, the shares, the comments, the the whatever else there is, the notification bells, the subscribe buttons, you know it all. and. Um, and oh, or oh, the ebook, check out the ebook. We're talking about books with Meathead. Go check out our ebook, the beginner's guide to real barbecue. Completely free over on smokinghotconfessions.com. And a huge shout out as well to those of you who've joined us today from the Smoking Hot Confessions community over on Facebook for the live recording. So this will be coming out in a few weeks' time. So to those of you who joined us today, you got a bit of a sneak peek there into the world of Meathead, which was very special. And so that is about all the time that we do have for today. So Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.